0: Hey, beautiful friends, welcome to The Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne, along with special guests as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's Word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Hey hey! Welcome to another episode of the Saver Podcast. Today is going to be fun, I hope, because we are talking all things Barbie today, um, and I'm I'm interested to have this conversation play out live. Um, we have a special guest with us today, which I will let Stacy introduce in just a minute. Um, But a couple disclaimers, I think, before we get started. If you've seen this movie and you love it, that is great. If you've seen this movie and you hate it, that is great. There is no judgment here. Um, This is just something I personally wasn't even going to see the movie. I wasn't interested in seeing the movie. But anytime there is something that um, culturally just women flock to, the way that we have seen this happen, I get very intrigued. Um, and so I went to see it yesterday myself. Um so I'm excited. but Stacey, why do you think that this is something that um, is important? Because some people might just say, well, it's just a movie. We're just looking into it way too much.
1: Yeah, I think that's so true too. I've you know, I kind of have been on a little bit of a soapbox about it. and um, but I think when we think about entertainment in general, so not just this specific movie, but entertainment in general, Sometimes we feel like entertainment is um, just it's null and void. It doesn't have an effect on us, and I don't think that's true. I think whatever we watch, whatever we spend our time thinking about, has an effect on us. For example, last night we were watching a new TV show. Chris and I were watching the show, and it's not scary and it's not bad, but it's very intense, and there was this very suspenseful atmosphere through the show, and then when we cut it off, and we were going to bed this terrible thunderstorm came up and i immediately was like i'm afraid there's a thunderstorm i'm never afraid when there's a thunderstorm except for the fact that what i had just watched had invoked in me these emotions of like anticipation and like fear a little bit and so that bled over into a storm that normally doesn't i actually usually love them i became fearful of it and so it made me realize Oh, what I watch, what I see has an effect on me. And then we even see in Scripture in the book of Galatians, Galatians 6, 7 through 9, we're told, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And so I think it's just this idea that we have to be aware that sometimes when we are watching things, it's going to feed our spirit or it's going to feed our flesh. And even something that is just worldly and has nothing to do with anything else, it's just a a mindless quote-unquote movie, it still has the ability to implant thoughts or ideology in our mind. And I'm not saying don't watch secular stuff. I think you should. I watch secular movies all the time. And this Barbie movie is one of those examples that actually is a secular movie that I had opportunity to watch with our special guest, which I can't wait to introduce. And then it sparked some really good conversation. So I thought, well, why not bring that onto the podcast and have that? So without further ado, I want to introduce our special guest, her name is Emma and I've known her for about 20 years because um, <laughs> actually she's my daughter and we had the opportunity to go see the Barbie movie together and it was a lot of fun and it sparked a really good conversation. So Emma, welcome to the Saver Podcast.
2: Hi, thanks for having me. I feel like I've kind of watched you film these podcasts for you know however long and it feels very fun to actually be on the podcast now.
1: Yes, and so for anyone who doesn't know you, Emma, tell a little bit about yourself. Maybe two or three sentences if you're stuck in an elevator and you had the length of an elevator ride. Tell us who you are, what you do, what you love.
2: Yeah, so I am going into my senior year um, at Clemson. I'm a religion major um, with an architect minor, Um, so that's super fun. I um, have been able to take a lot of really interesting classes through that, that I feel like have been really interesting and something that I like really enjoy. So um, yeah, that's kind of just an overview.
1: Very good. I love it. Well, we are so glad to have you so join excited. us. <laughs> yeah. And we thought you guys would probably appreciate also another point of view from someone who's in a different generation than Suzanne and I.
0: Yeah, we just didn't want you to hear our perspective of the movie as, you know, older, Wiser Emma, but older women. Very
2: wise, very wise.
0: <laughs> but also disclaimer, if you have not seen the Barbie movie yet, you may want to save this episode and come back because we're not like interested in not doing spoiler alerts or, or whatever, right? Like we're gonna talk about the I whole know. movie.
1: Actually there's one big spoiler alert. Okay. Can I just go ahead and get it out there? Sure. Ken and Barbie don't get together and we're gonna talk about that <laughs> and how all the feels happen around that because I think they're different. Feelings about that?
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of women had a lot of feelings about this movie. Very visceral response to this movie. Either they were absolutely in love with it. I have read women cried at the end of it. I have heard about how much women hated it and the message that it sent. But Emma, what did you, as a twenty-year-old um, young lady, what did, what was your what did you love about? Did you love the movie? Did you? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. No, I thought it was a really interesting movie. I feel like. I do enjoy, maybe that's just the religion major in me, but I do enjoy like thinking about the things that I watch and kind of like being able to have like some time to reflect on it, whether it be good or bad. So I I liked that whether or not people liked it or not, I liked that there was like conversation sparked around it um I also thought it was just fun I liked the pink I liked the um I liked the way that they made all the sets look plastic like it was it kind of felt like watching something that was like not real like it didn't feel like a movie but it also didn't feel like you were just playing with dolls it was like I thought that was really interesting so I liked the kind of set and how fun it was and it was just like super creative too What did
0: your mom kind of alluded to the spoiler that I know you shared a little bit with us earlier, but you actually said that was something you enjoyed about the movie, that Barbie and Ken did not end up together, right?
2: Yeah. No, I thought that, which maybe this is unpopular, but I kind of enjoyed that because I feel like there is so much pressure, I feel like, in society that, you know, the princess and the prince have to get together at the end of the day, or the girl and the boy have to fall in love. Um, and I think that, I think that sometimes like, you know, they can just be friends and they don't have to fall in love and there doesn't always have to be this pressure on the girl or the guy to fall for one another. Um, so I kind of appreciated it and found it like kind of refreshing that they didn't end up getting together. But I also understand that that is probably devastating for a lot of people. (laughs)
1: Like me, it was sort of (laughs) devastating for me because that's one of the areas that we did not agree on totally in the movie. Uh, because I love a good love story, which I
0: know you do too.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. Like rom coms all day, but it was refreshing for once to. I think know.
0: I wonder if it has kind of a little bit of the, like the captain of the cheerleader and the quarterback or something mm-hmm. kind of feel for Barbie and Ken to end up together. So I wonder if that's something in it that it's like the two perfect people being together to make the perfect union, which is all a farce. Right, Mm -hmm. so maybe there was something about that in it kind of that spoke to that idea.
2: Yeah, no, it was good. It's very much like La La Land, like everyone hates that they don't get together, but I think it's kind of refreshing because it's like, that's life, that's how it is. Don't get me
1: started on that movie.
0: I've never even seen that movie. Well, you're
2: not missing anything. Okay, well, I'll skip
0: that one. Yesterday I had to go see Barbie by myself just to do this podcast, um, and that was the first time I've ever been to a movie completely by myself. So that was a very interesting experience. Uh, but Stacey, what did you like about the movie? So I'm
1: with Emma. I loved all of the fanfare. And in the beginning of the movie, they do this whole dance party scene and all of the costumes. I mean, honestly, if it does turn into a Broadway musical, I probably will go see it. I'm just saying because <laughs> I'm all about it. And I, in my mind when I was watching it, I definitely thought... Uh, Broadway musical style. Uh, There were some messages in it that I also thought were really important and need to be spoken about. And some of the ideas that they bring up in the movie are super important, like the idea that, you know, um, women have a difficult place. Like there are certain, there's near the end of the movie, there's this whole, um, you know, little monologue of, recognizing the cognitive dissonance that they talk about, you know, and talking about that. And I think that it's so important for for us as women to have those conversations. And uh, Emma and I had a conversation last night about something that happened to her yesterday when she was sitting out on the dock. Mm-hmm. And her and I have strong feelings about it. tell a little bit about that, because I think these are important conversations to have that yeah, as women, we relate to this. And sometimes even the men we love with all of our heart, they don't get it because they haven't experienced it the way we have. So what happened yesterday?
2: Yeah, no. So, um, I was just sharing yesterday about how, um, like there is kind of this like universal experience, like as women and universal, maybe is too broad of a term, but I know like I've experienced it. I know a lot of my friends have, I know a lot of people that have more so than not. Um, And it's, like, just the idea of, like, getting catcalled as a woman. And so, like, you know, you think that it's not as common. But I was, like, sitting on my dock yesterday trying to do my summer work. Like, I was reading a book about Portugal. It wasn't very thrilling. Like, there was nothing exciting. Um, But I was just sitting outside um, reading my book. And this boat, like, drove by. And I, like, wasn't going to wave or anything because usually – It just like makes me feel uncomfortable when I'm sitting alone on my dock and like, you know, boats drive by. But this time, like this guy like leaned out the back and like yelled something at me as the boat drove by. And it's just like one of those things where it's like there's nothing inherently like harmful about the situation other than like it just makes me feel very uncomfortable like sitting on the dock. And it's like I just wanted to read my book and I didn't want anybody to make a comment about me just sitting on the dock.
0: Yeah, I think there was a lot of that in the movie, right, that, that we saw. So um, I think a lot of people probably relate to that, a lot of women.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think uh, especially kind of the woman who's maybe thinking about taking their teenage daughter to this movie, I would say if you have kids that are below the age of 13, there's a reason it's PG-13, and I don't think it's an appropriate content Uh, for children under 13, I mean, but as a mom, you can make that decision based on what you know about your child. But I think being able to go, just being willing to have the conversations with them. So I'm not saying don't take your daughter to go see the movie. I think for moms, one of the reasons we wanted to do this was to help you know how to have conversations. Because honestly, It's hard to think about, oh, how do we have that conversation, especially if you don't see eye to eye on it, and how can you hear each other and come to a place of having an honest, real conversation, and I hope that's what the movie will spark with people.
0: Definitely, and I think, um, you know, part of, obviously, this podcast is a podcast by Christian women for Christian women, so we're looking at it through a biblical worldview lens, not that we expect... Mattel or Barbie or Hollywood to make a movie. I mean, we know that going in, right? I mean, ninety-nine percent of the movies that we see are not from a biblical world view or a Christian movie. But we need to know how to interact and think about these movies and the things that we see, and not only that we see that our kids see. Um, and I think that's such a good point. Is if you're seeing this with your young kids or younger kids, have a conversation about it. Um, and I think that's really helpful. I'm like you guys. What I loved about the movie was just the artistic factor in it. I thought the acting in it was phenomenal. I thought they did a really I thought Margot Robbie did a great job. Ken did a great job. Um, um, Kate McKinnon, who's the Weird Barbie, I love her. I love her. so
1: I did, I have a question. Yeah,
0: did you have a weird Barbie? Of course, I'm sure I had a weird Barbie. Who played did you play with Barbie Selba? Are you too young? Few.
2: No, I had a few. I feel like I played with other toys more, but I definitely remember having a couple. And I had one whose hair like turned pink when I like put her yeah. in the bathtub.
0: I played with Barbies. Did you play with Barbies? Oh, I played with Barbies, yeah.
1: and I had way more weird Barbies. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah.
0: So she was like my favorite. I loved her, um, and I just love Kate McKinnon. I think she's a brilliant actress. But um, one of the other things that I appreciate that I appreciate about this whole narrative is. Listen, I did a deep dive on Barbie, and I went back to the origin of Barbie, the historicity of Barbie, who created her, why she was created, all of that, and um, which is quite different than I think where Barbie is today in all actuality. And I find that all very ironic, and that's the irony in the movie for me. But um, I do love that Barbie has called women to be, you know, young girls that they can envision themselves as presidents or astronauts or doctors or scientists or authors or all of those things. Um, I did like that. But one of the parts of the movie that was, that I found like extremely touching was when she was sitting at the bus stop when she had gotten to, and she was looking at the old lady. I mean, I almost cried because she was just like looking at her with awe. And then she said, you're so beautiful. And it was just like, I don't know, I think it was just her, I don't know what the intent was, like the artistic intent of that, but to me it was just like her life lived, and all of that was just so beautiful, and I found that an extremely touching moment in the movie, so that's another part that I really loved.
2: Yeah, I liked that part too. I think also I noticed like when you, when they panned to Barbie land, there were never like any Barbies that were over the age of probably 35 or so. Like m- all of the Barbies in Barbie land were young. And so I thought it was really interesting how, like, when she left Barbie Land and she kind of came into the real world where people age and, like, people get older, it's not this negative thing. She's able to, like, look at her and, just like you said, like, see her life lived and just say that that's a beautiful thing. So I really liked, I thought that was really cool that they added that in. That was probably the
0: most touching moment for me in the whole movie.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so, too.
1: And I think, to your point, Emma, it is so true because I think as women, at least for me, as a middle-aged, older woman. The idea of aging is sort of something that I do struggle with. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I I struggle oh, with the course. idea that I'm getting older and I look older. And I think recognizing that there's a beauty in that age, because that woman was beautiful. The woman sitting there at the bus stop, the older gray-haired woman, was she's a beautiful woman. But I have to say, I have... Biased eyes, because I very rarely in my life have ever met a woman that I didn't think was beautiful. To be totally honest, there's probably one woman, and it was her attitude that actually made her not so pretty. But um, I do think that is something as women that we don't talk about often. I don't think Emma and I have sat down and talked Mm -hmm. about my inner dialogue in my head about me getting older and how I feel about that and how to process that. So I do think they did a really good job, and whether that was intentional or not of that exchange between Barbie and the woman at the bus stop and Barbie telling her how beautiful she was. Cause here's Barbie, this, you know, 20 something year old, long blonde haired, perfect looking, looking at this woman where in our society as a whole, maybe this is an over generalization, marginalizes that woman mm-hmm. where Barbie would get more attention in the quote unquote real world. So I did, that was a beautiful scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. But that was, I mean, I did also like, um, I could pick a part, and we'll probably talk about it later, but the speech that America Ferrer, what was her name, Gloria?
2: I think so, yeah. Okay.
0: The mom. The real mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because there weren't really any Barbie moms. Um, But uh, the mom in the movie had the little speech with Barbie. I think there was a lot of women who resonated with that speech or that monologue she had to Barbie. And I think there's a lot of reasons. I think we could really pick that apart. And we can talk about it a little bit later. But other than that, that was kind of like the things I liked about the movie.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Those were the things I liked about it too. And the costumes. I have to go back to all of the outfits and the costumes. I just love all of that. And all of the pink. And it was just, yeah, I did love those things. But I would like to talk a little bit about the monologue. Because I think... One of the things I noticed in the monologue was there is a lot of truth in that monologue that she was saying and she was quoting. Suzanne, do you have any of those Mm -hmm. quotes? You want to read a couple of those quotes from the monologue where basically, just to set it up in case you haven't seen the movie, Barbie had to go into the real world to reset the continuum or whatever because barbie world was kind of falling apart um and so she goes into the real world and then when she goes into the real world ken goes with her but he comes back to barbie land and he had discovered the patriarchy in the real world he brings patriarchy into Barbie land and when she comes back now all the men are in charge and the women are just happy to serve them beer and they're no longer the president or in the supreme court and so to get them out of their trance the real mom Gloria has to recognize the cognitive dissidence that's going on and she has to speak it and so this is what some of the things she was saying to break the barbies out of their trance
0: um she said, I pulled out the things that spoke to me primarily. There were things, other things she said, but she started and she said, we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow, somehow we're always doing it wrong. We have to be thin, but not too thin. And we can never say we want to be thin. We have to say we want to be healthy, but also we have to be thin. Um, and then she went on and she said, because you're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty you tempt them too much, or you threaten other women, women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood, but you always need to stand out. And I think women resonate with that so much because I think a lot of us feel that way. I mean, I'm not Mm going to sit on this podcast and act like I don't feel those things. I I resonate with that. But I don't think, this is the difference for me, I don't think it's the patriarchy that Mm -hmm. has made me feel this way. Mm -hmm. I think it is a lot of things. I I do think it is our culture. I think it's been media. I think it's all of those things. But innately in me, it's my sin nature Mm -hmm. uh, is what I feel. Um, but, and then she, and I really, this one, I was like, oh yeah, that I I hear you. And again, this is me. This is not, my identity is not rooted in Christ in this. And I think that's the, when you look at this movie from a biblical worldview, that's where we see things fall apart is instead of calling this what it is and just sin, and the fall of the world, and all of those things. We blame everything on men, but it says, I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single woman tie herself in knots so that people like us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think that is so true, and I think that's the point of this is bringing the biblical worldview to it, because you're right. The patriarchy is not what's causing all of that. It is our sin nature, and I would be remiss to mention it's the prince of the power of the air. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to give the enemy or Satan more power, but we are told in scripture that he's been given the glory of the world. He's been called the prince of the power of the air and he does have influence. And we have a sin nature in all all humans, men and women, not just men, not just the patriarchy. Men and women have that in us. And And so sometimes, you know, I really resonated with the part about how um, you're supposed to, like, be a leader, but you don't want to intimidate other women because you're a part of the sisterhood. Because I find myself as someone who is a leader, and I hear all the time from other people, Stacey, you're too intimidating. You intimidate these other women. These other women are intimidated by you. And I constantly struggle in my mind, how do I come across as non-intimidating but yet leading? And it's not something, yes, I am reflecting on myself. Am I being kind and compassionate and whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is nobler, these the things I'm dwelling on. What in me is doing that? But sometimes it's not. It's the sin nature in someone else. It's the competition of the sin nature in us where we want to compete with each other that causes that. And so I think it is, when we think about it from a biblical worldview,
0: bringing that into it is a real important conversation. Emma, as a 20-year-old girl, did you resonate with those things as well?
2: Yeah, no, I was just about to say, I think that, like, all of those things that they said in the movie, I assume resonate with most women. I know it resonated with me, um, but I agree with, just to echo everything you said, like, I think that in the movie, it kind of takes the easy way out of blaming the patriarchy, when, like, in reality, it is you know the enemy because his main method of working is like divisiveness and he like wants nothing more than to divide um and so how better to do that than to just like speak these lies over people and say you're not pretty enough or if you are pretty you're too pretty or you're not good enough here or you're not good enough there um and i think and i think it's important to recognize that i think he can say those same things over men as well because i think that there is a lot of talk about self-worth um, in Christian circles amongst women, but I haven't heard it as much amongst men. And I think that it's really damaging to just assume that they don't struggle with that too, because I think everyone struggles with, um, not measuring up or not fitting, um, this image that they or people around them expect of them. Um, and so I think that you hit it on the nail when you said it's not the patriarchy, it's like sin in this world. And it's our brokenness that causes us to have this like dissidence
0: that's such a beautiful point and i think that if nobody hears anything else from that about this movie i hope that that's what they hear because i don't think that this movie approached anything about manhood um, in a positive light and to think that that women are the only people that struggle with self-worth or who have ever been oppressed or walk through trauma Or been held back because of somebody else. I think that's a very naive and a very ignorant um, way to live and to think about the world. Um, Of course, I even wrote down one that I said, if nothing else resonated, you have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. I mean, how could that possibly only apply to women? I mean, a lot of these things, um, which I feel like this whole movie and our culture just kind of attacks men right now anyway. Which is kind of what led me to even want to do this um, podcast, but I found, find all of that interesting because when I was looking back to the um, history of Barbie, just so you know, I wrote it down so y'all can know, Barbie, Barbie was born on March 9th, 1959, um, and I found it interesting when I was reading about her that, yes, this woman Ruth, but also her husband was the co-founder, mm-hmm. which I found interesting because in Barbie land, the men can't really do anything. They can beach. <laughs> right? Whatever, whatever that means. I mean, I would love to just sit around and beach all day. So I don't... That didn't seem like that bad of a gig <laughs> to
1: me. That's right.
0: Um, but so Barbie has always... Um, it, it's cool because they got into a really cool niche because she said the idea came to her watching her daughter play with paper dolls that were adults. But all the, bar- the baby dolls were always babies, which we saw that in the beginning of the movie, right? Which I found su- purely depressing, they, they made that whole scene just super depressing. And all I could think about was the poor moms that are in that phase, like where you have littles and you iron and you put your babies to bed and you feed them, and yes, it feels mundane and it feels unglorious. And just the picture that they painted of it of not having any value, I found very sad, very, very sad. But Barbie has always been a reflection of the culture of the time. And so I found that very interesting as we see this, because you're right, the whole We've just tried to turn patriarchy on its head and make a matriarchy. And how is that really any different?
1: Yeah. And I think we see in Scripture, when we see anything talking about biblical masculinity and biblical femininity, we see that men and women from the very beginning in Genesis are created equal in value and dignity and worth. Scripture is very clear. Men and women are equal in value, dignity, and worth but I believe it also goes on to talk about how men and women are different and they complement one another. And so from a theological term, that would be considered complementarianism. And I don't think this movie showed that at all. I think it just showed that there's this ultra competition and now women need to one up the men and there's just this fight. And I I don't experience that personally in my life with my husband. I don't feel like he's just an idiot and he does whatever I say and he can't think for himself. I don't feel like he takes advantage of me. And I don't feel like that's true um, biblical masculinity and biblical femininity.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. I think specifically with the movie, the way that I took it was that it wasn't saying that the matriarchy was right. I think the way that I kind of took it was it just flipped. And it said, okay, take society as it is, but switch men and women. Um, and I think a lot of people found problems with that. So I saw it more as a way to kind of like see or point out the flaws of patriarchy. But like we said earlier, I think that there are more prob, like the problems that Patriarchy causes go deeper than simply like men being in power. I think it is just this like sin and the enemy trying to speak lies over everybody.
0: Yeah, and I, I and I appreciate that perspective for sure. I definitely found it very much like satire in, mm-hmm. in that way, in that in that respect. Um, I think that uh, for me, looking at it. Um, I do obviously, we got to the place of where we are with extreme feminism and things like that because women were oppressed, right? they They mm-hmm. couldn't vote. We couldn't become doctors. We couldn't be educated. Those kinds of things. But to blame all of everything that's wrong with the world on that, like we mentioned is kind of a ludicrous idea yeah. to me. Um, but I probably have a little bit of a different perspective in the way the movie presented it because I'm a mom of a boy, yeah. right. And so I have a 16-year-old son, and before this movie ever came out, I feel like there's a cultural narrative that's telling my son, my son specifically, because he's white, he's straight, and he's male, that he needs to feel bad about that. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a narrative out there that's telling them that he needs to feel bad about that. And I also feel like when we saw Barbie go into the real world, immediately, every man in the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, are there jerks out there? Absolutely. Are there going to be people catcalling you from the dock while you're train- trying to read your book? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are there going to be men that condescend to you? Yes. Are there going to be women that condescend to you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're, you're in architect school or you still want to be that? I don't know. Do you still want to be that? Yeah. Okay. Grabs okay. I know dad. kids change their minds a lot. I have, My daughter did. But I mean, do you think there's never going to be a man or woman that condescend to you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. But I think that the portrayal was that it is bad as it is. And like just the expectation is that Mm -hmm. all men are just dogs and they're Mm -hmm. terrible and they're part of the problem. I didn't like the portrayal. And maybe that's artistic. I don't know because I'm not a director. I'm not a movie. I mean, I'm a nurse who loves Jesus. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea. But I just felt like. And making all the men just look completely stupid, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I get that there was a, I get the element of satire in it, right? I love, I love Will Ferrell movies. I love Saturday Night Live. I get all of that, but the fact that it lines up with what we're seeing in our culture, Mm -hmm. the narrative that's being pushed to my white male son, I don't even. I think I have to call him a white cis male now. That's a, that's a term, right? Cis. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that means he's straight. Oh, if you're I cis, didn't know you're that. Straight, right, yeah, it's
2: it's yeah, like cisgendered means like you're you're straight. Straight, you guys are blowing my mind. I am <laughs> yeah. definitely not well, up I've on been, these words. I've been I've been
0: like on this toxic masculinity train for a little while, just learning about it because I have a son, and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is he is a good son, mm-hmm. and my husband is a good man. Has he made terrible mistakes? Sure. So have I. Yeah. But to just throw out the baby with the bathwater kind of thing, there's got to be a newer saying.
2: I think also, <laughs> I, I agree. I think it's, like, very easy to um, kind of just throw your problems on somebody else instead of, like, taking responsibility for, like, all of us. Because I think that, um, you know, just that narrative of, like you were saying, where you're just... Um, people are just assuming that your son is going to act a certain way just by looking at him I think is super damaging because um, it kind of just reduces everyone to like these outwardly things to define them. And I think that that's where it can be so damaging because we all know that it's like Christ inside of us that defines us and that gives us value and worth. And so, um, yeah, no, I agree with everything that you said about how we just need to be kind of like looking at people's character and looking at them through Christ like lens before jumping to conclusions on how they would act.
0: And the irony for me is isn't that how all this started? Yeah. It's because we didn't want to make judgments on people based how they looked or how they dressed or if they were male or female or mm-hmm. black or white or asian. I mean, but yet we're doing it still, just mm-hmm. in a different way.
2: Yeah. No, 100%. And
1: there's actually I was doing some research today, there's actually some Uh, empirical evidence that has come out against the fact that, you know, white straight males are um, all bad and they're all, you know, terrible and they've caused bad things. And a lot of times you hear um, the church gets criticized because of male headship in the home. I believe the Bible teaches male headship in the home. I believe that with all of my heart. When I read scripture, that is The message that I believe is communicated through scripture. And sometimes people who haven't experienced that in a healthy way, has it been abused? Yes, obviously it has been abused. But I believe when it's done biblically, it's supported and there's flourishing that happens. And when it's not done biblically, I believe that women and children are the first to be hurt by it. But there's some empirical study that's come out, Nancy Piercy Has done a lot of work on this, and she, uh, in a new book that she's just released, comes out with a lot of this empirical data that shows that um, men who have male headship, according to scripture, in their homes, they interviewed the wives, and those wives are the happiest of all wives in the United States. They have the highest rate of happiness and joy. Their families and their children feel the same way, and I just think it's interesting that we now have, from sociologists that have done this work, have empirical data showing that the way the Bible describes a home to be led and and orchestrated lines up with joy and peace, and I think you know, your family has experienced that. My family has experienced that reality. And so I think that's important to notice because not everybody has. And so some women who go watch this movie grew up in a home where there was abuse of that and it wasn't done. And it may have been done, quote unquote, under the guise of the Bible. And you may have had a dad who tried to say, well, God told me I'm the head of the house and I can do it this way. And yet they weren't laying their life down like Christ laid their life, like he laid his life down for the church. But that's what scripture calls husbands to do, calls fathers to lead for their children and not to exacerbate their children. And so often it does get abused, but just because some people abuse it, we can't say biblical headship is totally wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. agree. I think that when we think about, even like the idea of patriarchy comes from the word, what, patriarch. And if you look in the Bible, I mean, Abraham was considered the father, right? The patriarch. Yes. And, um, all things that are, are good, man can take it and make evil or, in the, or the enemy will use it for evil. Right. And so I, some of the things I even was thinking of was like Moses' staff, right? It parted the Red Sea, but, and it did all these things, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit or God or whatever. I'm not getting super technical, but
1: (laughs) I love that. Not super technical, (laughs) but but basically that was
0: something good and the people began to worship it. And Mm -hmm. so we take things that are good and make it bad. Sex is another thing. Oh yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Right. God created that to be a beautiful covenant between a husband and a wife. And we have completely abused that and tainted it. And I think that, um, headship is no different. Um, and you're right, it probably nine times out of 10, I would say that it may not have been modeled correctly. And I am one woman who never understood that. I even wanted that word submit taken out of my, my mm-hmm. wedding vows because I had no idea what that meant. All I knew is it meant I wasn't going to submit to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can do another podcast on that on one day, about what that means biblically, but, um, definitely anything that is good, there's an opportunity for it to be bad and be abused by humans because that's what we do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And I and again, I think the whole point in having these conversations is so that we can look at the experiences that we have had individually as women and then lay it against the whole meta narrative of scripture and look in scripture and and base it on that. And I think when you do that, you see that Throughout scripture, especially in the New Testament, you know, some people, and this is a whole nother tangent that we don't have to get into today, but maybe would love to have Emma come back because she's done a lot of work on this. But the Apostle Paul talks about, and I don't permit a woman to speak in church, and what does that mean? And all of those things. But the reality is, the fact that the Apostle Paul is telling the church, hey, if a woman wants to learn something, she's supposed to ask her husband at home. We have to keep in mind that during that time in society, women were not allowed to learn anything. And so the fact that he's saying, We want you to learn and you can ask your husband to learn was actually elevating women beyond where they were in their society. But those verses get taken out of the context of the meta narrative of scripture and the value, mm-hmm. dignity, and worth that God has given to us when he created men and women in his image.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't want to harp on this too much, but I do think that the idea of, like, women in scripture is something that's so important um, for women to kind of research and to study, because I think, um, and I know we talked about this, Mom, a little bit, but growing up, like, even though you were speaking in our church and you were um, speaking on Sundays, like, in front of the whole congregation, I just kind of in my brain never thought that I could grow up and be a pastor, at least not anywhere else, or, like, speak in church anywhere else because it was this bad thing. It was this negative thing, and I kind of viewed it as, like, oh, that's really cool that you're doing that, but, like, our church is the exception, and, you know, everywhere else people would consider that, like, not what the Lord wants, and that's not God's heart, and so I think that it's really important to kind of, like, break that lie down and to see that like God very much has a place for women and it is like no less than men and like just because it's different doesn't mean that it's less important Um, and not to keep on my soapbox but this is the last thing I'll say is I think that um, in society like we've tended to value typically more male characteristics like protecting, hunting, gathering, those things that we can trace back to like stereotypical, like masculinity. And I think because a lot of, you were talking about this before we started, a lot of the female role is kind of behind the scenes. It's like the nurturing, it's the the stuff that doesn't get seen. Like nobody sees the mom of five kids who's homeschooling or breastfeeding or doing that. Nobody, that's not a visible role. And so people think that it's less important. Um, and I think something the Lord has just really been pressing to my heart recently is just like, I see you and like he sees that and that is just as valuable and that mom who's raising her five kids and trying her best is just as valuable to him as say the president or this man that's doing a lot of big things. Amen to that.
0: That's very very wise for a 20 year old. I wish (laughs) I had had that kind of wisdom at 20 and I really think that women need to hear that Because one of the narratives of the movie was women hate women and men hate women. Just that Mm -hmm. women are hated and everybody hates women. And that's a lie that the enemy wants us to believe. Mm -hmm. Um, The enemy wants us all to believe we're hated and we're all unseen. Mm -hmm. Men too. Um, And so, yes. If you are the woman at the beginning of the movie of Barbie where there's barely any color and they make it look so sad and so drab and you're taking care of your kids and you're momming and they just... They didn't show any value of motherhood or family Mm -hmm. in the whole movie. There were no Barbie kids. Mm -hmm.
1: And they made fun of the one Barbie that was pregnant and acted like she was
0: taboo, which is crazy. Now, my daughter's older than Emma, but we had the pregnant Barbie. Oh, you did? And I thought she was cool. And (laughs) I remember... Back then, there was some kind of hoopla over it when it came out. And everybody, like it got discontinued because everybody said it was so weird. And I have no idea why, but I always thought it was cool. So, of course, I got her one. Um, But definitely, there's no value in motherhood or family or any kind anything like that. And just this pervasive idea that everybody hates women and we have to just rise above. And we do need to rise above, but we rise above in Christ. Not in a matriarchy or in having no cellulite, even though I think she embraced the idea of cellulites and Birkenstocks at the end, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think also, this is the last thing I'll say too, but I think I've thought a lot about this is almost like even in modern society, I feel like there's this push that oh, for women to be valued, they need to do these masculine things. They need to, like, be CEOs. Well, not that that's a masculine thing, but they need to lead. They need to um, kind of protect. They need to go out and do this, like, very aggressive thing. And it almost, like, in turn continues to devalue the, like, unseen parts of motherhood that nobody sees. And so I think it's just interesting to, like, kind of, like, in the sense of, like, equality, we're kind of saying, oh, well, women can't be equal to men unless they act like a man. And I think mm. that that's really harmful. Mm, yes, yeah,
0: such a good point.
2: It is such a good point. Well, this has been an amazing
1: conversation. I have so enjoyed sitting at the table and having these conversations and we want to encourage you to keep the conversation going. Um, and so for our saver moment today, I want to read to you First Peter 3 verse 8. And I think this is a good way to end it. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. I think if we take that approach with one another in conversations, then we can't go wrong. And I think it requires the Holy Spirit. It requires um, yielding to God and to His way above our way. And so for the saver moment, I want you to read that. I want you to think about that. Allow the Lord to kind of Let that marinate inside of you. And then if you're having a really hard time figuring that out or you're trying to have a conversation with your daughter about this movie and you don't see eye to eye, not that Emma and I have ever had disagreements, have we? (laughs) Never, never. (laughs) Um, Hang in there, moms, Of, of teenage daughters, I promise you it is worth it. Just keep keep planting, keep watering. It will produce a good harvest. Don't give up. But if you're still struggling, read that verse. And then if you just need some good loving, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go get some brioche bread. Mm, brioche bread. It's the best. I want you to slather some butter on that brioche bread. I want you to toast that brioche bread just to a slight golden brown, and I want you to savor every bite of that bread, remembering the bread of life is Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. He is the hope of glory, and he reigns supreme above all else, not just in Barbie land, not just in the real world, but in the kingdom of God. He reigns forever. Amen. Mm Thanks for being here today. Don't forget to like, subscribe. It helps us if you leave a review. We love you guys. We'd love to hear from you. So you can always email us at saver at crosstownchurch.com. We hope to see you again.
0: Thank you for being with us today here at Saver. This podcast is a ministry of Crosstown Church. For information about SOAR, Women's Ministry, or Crosstown Church, please visit crosstownchurch.com or download the Crosstown app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.